subject of prayer. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Would you read that out loud together with me? Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Amen. I'm going to speak from this title, The Hour of Prayer. The Hour of Prayer. Would you pray together with me one more time, but this time specifically ask that God would speak to you and that you would receive it, that you would get every nutrient out of this, this morsel, this spiritual meat that you'll receive tonight. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that my spirit would be led by your spirit, that I will speak with authority, that I will speak with a boldness, that I will speak from the heart of God to the people of God, and that we would receive with meekness the word that is able to save our souls. Lord, let nothing detour or distract or hinder the reception of the saving word of God to be received into the lives of your saints. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Recently, I preached uh, on our, our backpack blessing service, We Will Not Bow. And I preached from the story of the three Hebrew boys. And I mentioned the story about them surviving the fiery furnace brought out from the book of Daniel. Daniel, their peer, their comrade, was a man known by us, but also his adversaries for his habit of prayer. Now, this was while he had a habit of prayer while he was a prisoner of war. Now, him being a prisoner of war might look a little different than those that were prisoners of war in Vietnam, the War of Vietnam, or World War II, or any war in modern times, because he was essentially taken into captivity against his will, but he was to serve the king of a foreign land as his subject, as a counselor. But nonetheless, he was living in a strange place that was adverse or against or in opposition to him maintaining a habit of prayer. And if you could, just draw the parallels for yourself. Daniel, perhaps like you, sometimes feels like you're in a strange place. Surrounded by things and, 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 and systems and kingdoms and people that are against or in contradiction to you maintaining a habit of prayer. Now, I do want to add this side note. Here is this man who had adversaries, who had things against him, who was a man of prayer. His prayer life was attacked, but yet the Bible shows us that he was repeatedly promoted into positions of authority and power by the king, a pagan king, which tells me this, that your prayer life is not stopping you from a promotion. Your prayer life is not stopping you from having favor in the eyes or with people, the eyes of people. 
Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus is our perfect example. And we see Jesus, our perfect example, in the Gospels, often resorting to a solitary place alone. Why? For the sake of prayer. And especially any time he was about to face a task or a decision of great significance. The beginning of his ministry started out with 40 days of fasting and prayer that was met with temptation. Before choosing his disciples, he spent much time in prayer. After feeding the thousands and before stilling the storm both naturally on the sea and spiritually in the man who was possessed with thousands of devils, he was in a place alone of prayer. And then we, of course, see before he was betrayed into the hands of sinners and then to be crucified, he was in a place of prayer. And if Jesus who was God manifest in flesh, sinless humanity, how much more should we feel the weight and importance of cultivating and maintaining a habit of prayer? Nudge your neighbor if you're sitting next to someone or just look over at someone and say he's talking to you. We ought to begin each day in prayer and especially before we make any major decision in our life. We should spend much time in prayer. If you have a decision that you're about to make that is going to absolutely transform your life, whether it be a job, a career change, a a, a change in home, whatever it might be that will change your life, how dare we make those kind of decisions and they not be based in prayer? Not only prayer, but there are certain times I believe that Fasting is absolutely called for to be coupled together with prayer. I have many memorable moments in prayer. I remember while at Bible college, I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and I I felt such a tremendous weight that came on me, Brother Randall, that I could not just pray away. In fact, it pressed me into prayer. I remember times in intercessory prayer for my brother Mark that I perhaps, I think I could honestly say I've never felt since then like I did at that time. I would weep, I would wail, I would groan, I would go into a fetal position, but it was as though there was this giant weight literally pressing down on my chest, and I would travail with utterings that I could not just speak out. It was a time of intercession. I remember in our early days when we were still in the front of Watchtower Plaza, and uh, very young, very naive, but nonetheless very ambitious that we were going to see a church planted in the city of Rock Island. And I remember being there late at night, Brother Walker, in that storefront, and I would pray with the lights off, and I would pace back and forth down that long building, narrow building. And I remember when I would walk one direction, I felt this darkness. I felt this evil that seemed like if, if I would have turned around, I would have saw something that was so grotesque and so, so to be afraid of. But I remember resolving in my spirit 
that I would not be afraid. I would not just leave the building, but I was going to stay there until that was broken. I remember that very vividly. I remember being in the house of prayer and just being in my normal time of prayer, and all of a sudden, the only way I could describe it, it was, it was the Spirit of God took a hold of me in a violent way. Violent is really the only way I could describe it, but I suddenly began to pray very, very forcefully in tongues, and I was praying, and I knew I was praying for Andy Cheek. Later that day, I would... Uh, Andy would reach out to me and let me know that during his time at work that a piece of machinery fell on a co-worker and it was a very critical situation that he as the manager of this location was to take control of. I asked him when that happened and it was almost identical to the time that I was taken into this fierce prayer. I remember not that long ago entering into one of the most intense times of spiritual warfare. And it was through three days of an absolute fast, no drink, no food, but I had that pressed in my spirit. I couldn't shake it. I was pressed. I was, I, I was feeling like I was wrestling with spiritual darkness and powers of this world. But it was just not that long ago. In fact, it was in the year 2020. But I remember during that time that I had this burden that I must pray through. And thanks be to God, there was great spiritual victory that we experienced. Those are memorable prayer moments. Now, let me mention to you most prayer moments. Most prayer moments feel a little routine. There's really not much to report. I'm speaking to him. And he's speaking to me. That's most of my prayer moments. A lot of time it's pacing back and forth right here or over there in the prayer room, conference room. I'm just spending time talking to the Lord. Just recently I remember, again, nothing much to report, but I remember talking to him. And in the middle of my talking to him, it was, I remember this day I was especially praying for a meeting that I was going to have later in the day. And, and I was praying about it, and I have prayed for many years since I came to Rock Island. I was pray, I've always prayed, God, if you would, please give me wisdom that is beyond my years and my experience. Uh, we're told that if any man lacks wisdom, that he could ask God, who has all wisdom and knowledge, and God gives freely and liberally. And so I've prayed for the past 19 years, God, give me wisdom beyond my years and experience. And while I was talking to the Lord, Brother Nathaniel, I felt the Lord impress on me this word. I want you to pray that I would give you wisdom based on your years and experience. Essentially, God was saying, you're old, uh, old enough now. You, you should have some wisdom and experience. Another time, more recently, I was actually right here again in the sanctuary, pacing back and forth. And I was praying, and I was feeling guilty about something, which is not an uncommon feeling for your pastor to have. I, I tend to have a personality that, that feels guilt or uh, condemnation. I'm hard on myself a lot of times. And I was, this one particular morning, I was, I was being down on myself, and I was talking to the Lord about this emotion. Uh, and it wasn't for anything sinful. 
Okay, it wasn't for anything sinful. It was just, it was just something I felt like I, I probably could have done that better. And the Lord, again, he stopped me and he talked to me and he said, I am not putting that condemnation on you. Why are you putting it on yourself? And it was just, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just something that I felt softly on my spirit. So most prayer moments, they're not these violent forces of the unseen realm fighting against each other. Although sometimes that happens. Most of them are pretty routine. Now I want to say that as a pastor, I am a shepherd. That is my calling. I am called by God to feed the flock of God. I am called by God to feed his flock, which he has purchased with his own blood. I am especially, I especially am to give myself to prayer and to ministry of the word of God. Now, perhaps ministry of the word of God, first thing that comes to your mind, that's what you do, pastor, Wednesday night, you're ministering the word of the Lord. Sunday, you're ministering the word of the Lord. But I have also the distinct honor and also a responsibility to provide counsel to those whom I serve as their spiritual leader. And if at any time you feel like you need your pastor to speak godly counsel into your life, you just reach out to me, okay? You text me, you call me, let me know, hey, I would like to meet up with you, pastor. I am not too busy. I don't want to hear y'all say that again. I'm busy, I know. I travel at times, I understand. But part of my job description is to connect with the people that I'm called to serve. And that's not just from a platform. So I want you to take that to heart. I want you to say, yes, okay. I'm not going to wait until two years later and, and, and I finally meet with you and I say, I've been carrying this for two years. And I'm like, why have you been carrying that for two years? We could have talked about that two years ago. And now that little baby elephant is this ginormous monster that is making a mess everywhere. And we've got to break down this entire wall just to get him out of your house. Somebody say amen. Now, my prayer is that God can use both my wife and I. We do a lot of counseling and meeting together. My prayer is that God can use both my wife and I to provide godly counsel that is, of course, rooted and grounded in Scripture. But in order for godly, scriptural, Bible-based, spiritual guidance to be helpful and beneficial, it requires the following two things from the recipients of the counsel it is intended to help. Are you listening? Say amen. Number one is you have to implement said counsel. I've already mentioned that, yes, I'm busy, but I'm not too busy. But, you know, if I'm going to share with you things that God lays on my heart and what the Spirit leads me to give, and you don't do anything with it, why do we want to keep meeting again to go round and round and round, right? We've got to implement the counsel that we receive. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls, how? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, 
See ye that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. The way we purify our souls or the way we better our lives is through obedience. It's through receiving the word of God and the counsel of God into our lives and practicing it, implementing it. But that's one thing that you and I must do anytime we receive guidance from spiritual authority. And I'm in the same boat. I've got to practice what has been preached or taught or shared with me. I've got to do it just like anyone else. So I've got to implement it. Number two, are you all ready for this? You, in order to benefit from spiritual counsel, you should be spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If all I'm doing is being carnally minded, which means all of my thoughts all of my time, all of my resources are captivated or tied up with things that are carnal, which means flesh of this world, not spiritual, definitely not the spirit of God. And I'm tied up and I'm tangled up with just the business and the cares of this world. The Bible says if that's what preoccupies all my mind, then... It's against God, and it's not subject to the law of God. Again, spiritual counsel and the word of God. So we've got to be spiritually minded. So what is the best way to be and to remain spiritually minded? It's to begin and maintain a daily habit of prayer. And the church say amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. So I'm going to break this scripture into six parts. I'm aware of my time, and I promise I won't keep you till nine. Number one, number one, Peter and John. Church leaders pray. I'm going to say that again for those taking notes. First part, Peter and John, church leaders pray. Let me say it a different way. The church's direction is determined by people who pray. That means you don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. You don't have to be on a leadership team. If you are a person of prayer, you are helping determine the direction of the church. Now, while no position is needed to be a person of prayer, it is especially helpful when those who are elected, appointed, asked, and volunteer to serve the people of God in various positions. It is helpful if those people pray. This is why, as pastor, I would appreciate every person that is involved with our leading and teaching ministries. That's praise singers, musicians, Sunday school teachers, those that are in front of a classroom or those on the platform. It would be especially helpful, and I would appreciate, if you all attend all church prayer. We only have it once a month. And if it's possible for you to be there, you should be there. Why? Because people that are leaders are people who pray. And also, the people who do not have 
a position or do, do not occupy a place on the platform in front of a classroom. They show up to prayer meeting and they look around and the people that are supposed to be leading us spiritually aren't around. All right, on to number two. <laughs> number two, it says Peter and John did what? They went up. Now there is plenty in this world that will do its dead level best at keeping us down, keeping us in this mode of complaining, criticizing, being cynical, being discouraged, being depressed, being angry and even bitter. But we ought to have, you and I ought to have a resolve in our spirit that says, I will go up. I will go up to prayer. You see, the practice of prayer is uplifting. If you are struggling with discouragement, if you are feeling down, I'm talking about right now, emotionally and spiritually, if you feel like you are down, then go up. Get up. Get up, quit sitting on your faith, quit wallowing in a victim mentality. Get up. Get up and pray. I don't feel like it. You don't have to feel like it. That's what faith is for. Pray. Why? Because prayer makes us get up. Get up. We, they went up. The Bible says they went up. Everyone say together. Prayer is powerful. I believe that most, if not all of you, are convinced of that. Prayer is powerful. That prayer becomes exponentially greater when we partner together in unified prayer. Brother Walker, you didn't even know what I was preaching tonight or teaching. But you mentioned that word, unified prayer, unified worship. Why? Because we know that if one could put 1,000 to flight, then two can put 10,000 to flight. That is exponential increase. When you pray, it's powerful. When we pray, it's exponentially powerful. And let me say this, unified prayer can happen among the body of Christ, but it could also happen when you're by yourself. What I mean by that is unified prayer, while I will mention corporate prayer in just a moment, unified prayer is kingdom-minded prayer. Unified prayer is unselfish prayer. Unified prayer lifts up one another in your prayers. We may not be in the same place. It, it may, we may be in different places, have different names, but listen, if you're praying for me, I'm benefiting from that, and so are you, and so is the body of Christ. That's unified Prayer. Unified prayer does not hold on to offenses. Unified prayer loves and forgives. But then you take unified prayer and you tie it together with corporate prayer when we're together. There is a great moving and a boldness that results. In response to the persecution that the early church was met with in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, the Bible says that Peter and John went to the company or the church. They told them what happened. And then the Bible says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They together prayed. And the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they preached the word of God with boldness. There are times when we pray in unity and in one place. It's possible to pray in unity, but separately, but there are also times we pray in unity in one place, like they did on the day of Pentecost. Now, when is this? Well, it's tonight. We've already prayed together. It's Sunday. We'll pray together. And when we pray together in one place, listen now, we're not competing with each other. 
It's not a shouting match. It's not to see whose prayer is the loudest. Now, when we pray, it might get loud. And we will use our voices like the Bible instructs. And Acts chapter 4 tells us they lifted up their voice and they prayed together. But this is not competing with one another. Rather, it is completing the work that the body of Christ can do, some will say, together. But when we're in corporate prayer, we're mindful of one another, especially on a Sunday or a Wednesday or really anytime we gather together and it's a meeting, we're not trying to overtake the meeting with our prayer because we're unified and we're together in prayer. And I'll take this moment to say this, that each Wednesday there's ladies prayer from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. It would be good if you're available to be there for ladies' prayer, if you're a lady. But we also have men's meeting when we pray together, TCG, young men's meeting. In fact, this past Monday night, I wish, I wish, especially you parents, but really the whole church family, I wish you could have seen that room in the hallway, that conference room when there was about five boys at the table that shared their prayer request. Number one, that will move you in and of itself. And don't worry, he didn't, none of them aired your dirty laundry or anything. <laughs> but to hear what concerns them, to hear what's on their heart, and to hear what they believe God can do through prayer was stirring. But what moved me more was when they began to pray. It was powerful. It was powerful. The Bible says Peter and John went up together where? Into the temple. In the word of God, we see that the Lord has places that are special to him. You could look at Bethel, where Jacob laid his head and dreamt of a ladder that reached to heaven. Angels ascended and descended. We see Mount Sinai. We see Mount Horeb. We see the tabernacle. We see the temple and Solomon's dedication of the temple. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12, the Lord responds to that dedication. And he says this, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this, everyone say, this place chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Here it comes. Y'all ready? If you know it, you can say it with me. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. But we often forget what is said on either side of it. Number one, the Lord is going to be the reason why the heaven is shut up in response to their wickedness in hopes that they would repent and cry out and call upon the Lord. But now verse 15, it says, Now God says, My eyes shall be open, my ears shall be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. How many are thankful for this place? It's all right. You clap your hands. Come on. How many are thankful for this place? Can I just say on this Wednesday night that this place is not a trophy to be polished and shined, but it is a tool to be righteously used for the glory of God. 
That is something that the Lord spoke to me, I believe, just yesterday as we're getting. If you go in this hallway, you'll see just bags and bags of clothes for the clothing giveaway. Ladies have been working on that. Monday night they were working on that. And, and, and I think I, as I was moving something, I scuffed a door, Brother Joe. Don't tell pastor. He would be upset. <laughs> and in that moment, I felt the Lord say, this is not a trophy to be polished. This is a tool to be used. And it's time that we use this place for God's glory. And one of the ways we use this place is that his house will be called a house of prayer. But remember, together, we are greater than this building. We're the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, it says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, In whom all, look at your neighbor and say, that means you. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. When we're baptized into the body, we become a habitation or a house of God. This place, not just this building, but this place, this people is a special place. And not just when we're together, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, what? Know ye not that your your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You want to talk about special places that God has on the map? It's your body. It's this body. It's your house. It's your physical makeup where the presence of God abides. And you are commanded to glorify God in body and spirit. And the practice of prayer does both. It glorifies God. The practice of prayer. So you, you have a place. Or wait. Maybe you don't. You need to get one. And I'm not just talking about your physical makeup, your body, your physical body, your human body. You should have a place. You should have a place where God knows that place is where he and I and her and I, that's where we meet. That's a special place on earth because they have dedicated that place as a place of prayer but what else? At the hour of prayer. Not only should we have a place where we meet with God, but there should be a time that we schedule. Because if you don't schedule it, it often skips the calendar and the to-do list. Peter and John went up at the hour of prayer. You should have a time and a space. Hear me very carefully. You should have a time and a space to set aside where nothing else is accomplished, but just to be with Jesus and his word. I'm going to say it again. There should be a time and a space set aside for nothing else but to be with Jesus and his word. Peter and John, they went up at the hour of prayer. Prayer, hour, prayer, hour, hour of prayer. You say, I pray over my food. I pray in the shower. I pray on my drive to work. I pray... As I fall asleep, after I spend an hour scrolling through social media, watching something, or playing video games, and then I pray while I fall asleep. Let's stop setting the bar so low for our spiritual disciplines that somehow 
We set it so low so we can somehow like make ourselves feel. We're dumbing down and diminishing the effectiveness of our mighty weapons. Let's raise the bar. Let's raise the level of expectation. Not our expectation, maybe of ourselves, but that God could have. I'm expecting to meet her here. I'm expecting to meet him here. Jesus rebukes his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 40. And he comes unto his disciples. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his betrayal. And he finds them asleep. And he says to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? He said it as though it was the minimum. What would it look like for you to give an hour of your actual time for nothing else but to talk to Jesus and read his word? What would it look like? Maybe it's one 60-minute session at the beginning of your day. Maybe it's two 30-minute sessions in the morning and at night. Maybe it's three 20-minute sessions like Daniel morning, noon, and night. What does it look like for you to have an hour of prayer? I would say I would charge you to set the bar higher for your life. And lastly, number six, says Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. But we're going to go back to the beginning. What's the first word? Now. What will you do with this teaching? I'm going to ask a very simple question. Are you sick and tired of feeling defeated? Are you tired of feeling discouraged, maybe even depressed? How fed up are you, really? Fed up enough to do something about it? Fed up enough to make a radical commitment tonight that says, I'm going to give time during my day where I do nothing else but spend time in prayer and the word, and I do it daily. Pastor, do you ever miss a day? I sure do. Thanks for asking. Made me confess right in front of everyone. But you know what? That's kind of one of those things, you know, I, I could condemn myself about, but the Lord says, I'm not here condemning you. I just like spending time with you. And I would hate to see you go this day without my help. Oh, he'll help us. His spirit dwells within us. His name's on us. <laughs> he'll show us benefits on an everyday basis. But you know what? I'm telling you from my experience, prayer and the word of God spent at the beginning of my day makes a huge difference in my life. I've told you before, and stand together with me, I'm done. I told you before about some practical tips to help prayer become consistent in your life? I don't know. Maybe you could remember that. Number one is make it a priority. Find something that you do every day and say, until I really get a handle on this, I'm going to do this before I do that. Whatever you do every day. Never miss a day. Because we should never miss a day of prayer, a day spending time in prayer in the Word. Never. We shouldn't. Make it a priority. Number two, have a place. I already talked about that. Number three, have a plan. What's, what, what's one of pastor's favorite plans? Acts. Adore, confess, thank, seek. Or the Lord's Prayer. Or the tabernacle plan. But have a plan. And develop it. Let it grow. And then lastly, 
something that's totally optional, but it's helpful, is have a playlist. I like to have a set of songs. I have different playlists. Some are 30 minutes long, some are 45 minutes, some are longer, some are an hour long. And I just hit that playlist, and I know I don't even have to pay attention. It's not karaoke with Jesus time. <laughs> it hurts his ears anyway. So, But it's, it's, it's music, and I create the playlist according to my plan. So I have a whole song where I spend in worship, a whole song I spend in confessing, a whole song I spend in, spend in thanksgiving and, and in seeking. So be intentional. Be intentional. Because God, he wants you to be victorious. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you right now. And I pray, Lord, that this practical teaching, Lord, that you have called me to share tonight, I pray that it is received, and it's received well, and it's received in love, and it's received with meekness. I pray, O oh Lord, that we would apply it in our lives. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for a beautiful, wonderful church family of people that I genuinely believe are hungry for the Word of God, thirsty for the Spirit of God. And Lord, tonight is just a reminder of how we could become self-feeders, individuals, mature members of the body of Christ that learn how to go to the throne of God, talk to you, hear your voice, become familiar with your voice. Lord, I pray, grow your church. And Lord, we must, if we're going to grow, we must have a daily habit of prayer and the Word. Lord, let us make some radical commitments, even tonight, before we go to sleep tonight, that will make a difference in our lives tomorrow. And maybe even before we go to sleep, Lord, I thank you. I give your name all the praise and glory. And everyone say in Jesus' name.